I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. I'm ready. Who is the patron saint of shopping? I don't know. Francis de Sales. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> like it. Hi, everyone. Hello. Welcome to episode four. We're back. Yes. Matt, why don't you share your joy junk Jesus? I will. My joy, um, I have two joys. So quickly, um, my school semester has ended. Yes. My final, I had to type a 15-page paper, so that's done. And also, my Christmas shopping is done, so I can like enjoy Advent. And they're all wrapped, too. Everything's wrapped, and it's amazing. My junk is that um, as like excited I am that all that is done, and like that we can enjoy Christmas and family and going on vacation a week after we get back I have a retreat and so I'm like starting to get like anxious about that but I know that God will bless it and it'll all be fine um but it's just giving me a little bit of anxiety this week so um and then my Jesus moment was Monday night we had all of our teen and adult leaders together for like a Christmas party a thank you type of celebration and there was like 50 of them there and just to be able to spend time in fellowship and like have a fun little gift exchange and thank them for all that they do was really, really fun. What about you? So my joy, um, we had Tony's parents and my parents and my sister over on Tuesday for, um, just a anniversary dinner. Tony and I celebrated our one year anniversary. And so we were super excited about that and we wanted to celebrate with our families. So we had them over, and we just had a really good time hmm. hanging out and eating and um, just celebrating. My junk is that I have this stupid cold <laughs> that is, like, looming over me and trying to take me down. I think because I went on vacation. I'm really good at not getting sick until I go on vacation, and then my body's like, Woohoo! Let's shut down I can finally system. relax! <laughs> and so yeah. it shuts my whole immune system down, and I get sick. So... I'm fighting off, um, I think, something bigger than I'm currently, I don't know, presenting. Um, So prayers for healing. And then my Jesus moment was because of our one-year anniversary, we went up to Lake Arrowhead and um, spent the weekend up in a cabin. And I just love sitting on patios and looking at the trees and the birds. And um, it was just a really good Jesus moment of just looking at God's creation and being like, Mm. thank you, Lord. This is such a good peaceful moment Um, because I don't have many of those just quiet, still moments. And so that was my Jesus moment. So yeah, joy, junk, Jesus. Awesome. So what are we chatting about today? Today we are talking about dating and how... Ugh. (laughs) Yeah. We luckily... We still date our... Spouses, I was gonna say we won, so we won. <laughs> <laughs> we won at dating. Yeah, I, yeah, that's actually the best advice someone ever gave me about when I got married was never stopping boyfriend and girlfriend, and mm-hmm. I thought that was super, super sweet. Yeah. But yeah, we, I've been out of the dating game in the you know the single world 
of dating for a little longer um, since my wife and I've been married for four years and you've been married for one, but still, you know, yeah, continued to date, but it's easier to date when you know, like you're dating the person you're <laughs> going to marry. So <clears throat> I think that's a, an important prelude to this is saying like, there's probably, and I, I remember this when I was single and confused about vocation, there's probably nothing more annoying than married people talking about single life dating so we're completely aware of that and if you just want (laughs) to ignore what we have to say it's cool please yeah just go ahead like (laughs) i know yeah we've been there and we walk with a lot of people who are in this kind of phase of life so i think that's an important precursor that like just because we're a little removed from it doesn't mean we don't see it but we also aren't living it right now and so if you have feedback for us after this episode or like want to you know angrily rant that we aren't you know like (laughs) present to the crazy struggle that catholic dating is uh please let us know we're open to that but uh otherwise jenna why don't you take it away sure so um we have just completely lost the art of dating and we don't really know what even dating means anymore i was reading an article about a gentleman that he went around and asked nine or ten people what their definition of dating was and it all was different. There was nothing that was consistent about it. Um, so it just shows how, how vast our definition is and like how there's nothing solid anymore about it. Um, but dating has completely changed and is, um, this is due to our hookup culture and these dating apps that have just bred the hookup culture for us. Um, and I know Urban Dictionary is not a reliable source. (laughs) I'm not putting this out there. Like it's something you need to go on every day. But I thought it was quite hilarious and beautifully portrays how our world sees dating. Um, This is what Urban Dictionary says about dating. (laughs) Dating is where two people who are attracted to each other spend time together to see if they can stand each other (laughs) most of the time. If this is successful, they develop a relationship, although sometimes a relationship develops anyways if the person (laughs) or the people cannot find anybody else to date them or are very lonely, or one person is only attracted to the other and pretends to be in love with the second unfortunate person who has the misunderstanding that they have found love. This this is so sad. This occurs quite often and eventually leads to something called cheating. And it's just, it's so messed up that this truly is what our world has fallen into of the definition of dating. It's this thing that we do that... Maybe we'll like this person and then, you know, oh, well, I don't have feelings for them or that other person likes me more. So now I'm stuck in this and we've just completely lost truly what the purpose of dating has been. Uh, Not everybody, but most people. And I think it's um, also bred by so many of our apps, dating apps that we use. Um, and how it just breeds this hookup culture that you can reach somebody very, very quickly, create this relationship over texting, and then you go out on one date and then something happens. Yeah. You know? And so our society really has lost um, truly what dating is and the purpose of it. Um, And so with that, Use has become a common relationship in dating. So Mm -hmm. physical use, um, getting pleasure out of each other. And typically what our our society says is that if, you know, well, if you have two consenting individuals that say, well, I want want something out of this individual. (coughs) They're okay with it. They want something out of me. 
then it's okay. Mm. We're fine. This physical relationship that we're having is all right because we're both consenting adults. Um, but we're quickly confusing this consent and this fulfillment um, of physical consent out of... Um, we're confusing with love. Mm. Sorry. My words got a little crazy there. But we're confusing it with a new definition of what love is. And so um, if we continue to use each other for pleasure, Pope John Paul II points out one of the serious problems with such a relationship. He said, the moment they cease to match and to be of advantage to each other, nothing at all is left of the harmony. Mm. Love will be no more in either of the persons or between them. That's really sad. Because we've, we've yeah. chopped everything up to this is love. It's a physical attraction and fulfillment that we get from one another. Yeah, that's something I see so often that love is equated to sex. Yeah. And like people don't realize like, okay, what if this person that you quote unquote love because of the sexual relationship, what if you go down the line, you're married, you know, 20 years and sex is no longer pleasurable or no longer possible because of a medical issue or something like that? Then what? You, you leave? Like if that's the only thing anchoring you to this person then that's not a relationship, you know, if you can take a step back and see that. But when you're in a sexually active relationship, like you have hormones that are being emitted like oxytocin, serotonin, chemically bonding you to this other person. And most people don't realize that, like your body is scientifically and biologically designed to be in an eternal union with someone. It's not just something that we say that the Bible says that the church says, it's like the language of your body. And so our judgment becomes skewed when we're in these physical relationships and our, we start reacting on hormones rather than reason uh, and rather than like sound doctrine and, you know, like what our heart really desires because we're, our, our desires are morphed, you know. And so we end up in these like quasi relationships. Like I love that Urban Dictionary thing that you read. And like I always make fun of this like when, when I'm talking to high schoolers and middle schoolers, uh, even young adults. Um, and they're like, I'm asking them about like their relationships and I'm like, oh, so is this person your boyfriend or your girlfriend? They're like, well, no, we're just, we're kind of like in a thing. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> what's the, right. what is this thing? Oh my gosh. Yes. What is this amorphous rhombus of a relationship, non-relationship <laughs> thing? Like, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, it's so not natural that the only English word that we have to describe it is thing. thing. The word that we describe what we don't understand. Like, it's yeah. so crazy. Ugh, yeah, no, and it's and it makes it so hard, and this is why we're talking about this today, is that um, we have deteriorated relationships with one another to a physical relationship, and it creates and breeds um, difficulty in finding a spouse and dating truly. Um, and so I was looking into why has this even happened? What is What is the purpose or the reason behind why um, we've fallen so far away from this, and it's because we've completely lost the value of marriage. And mm -hmm. I wanted to cry this morning when I looked up the divorce rates. It's currently at 50, or 40 to 50% divorce rate. Yeah, and where we are in Orange County, it's like 71%. And it's just, oh my gosh, marriage is now just out of convenience. Yeah. And if we've stopped, just like you said, if we stopped having a good um, physical relationship or we think that the, the candle is blown out in our romantic life, yeah. then our, our marriage relationship should be done. Yeah. And that's not truly what marriage was created for. Um, and so because that we have lost the value of marriage, we have lost the value of dating because dating, the purpose and the 
for dating was to find your spouse. Mm -hmm. And so now if we look at it and we go, well, most marriages don't work out. So then there's no real point in truly dating the way Mm -hmm. that it was created. Then hookup culture is okay. And we've yeah. fallen into this trap that all of these things are now okay because truly there's no point. We really mm. have a 50-50 chance of even finding somebody that we will have for a lifetime. So it's this sad um, fall that we've taken. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, when Eric and I were in marriage prep, we, we learned this, like, every relationship goes through this cycle of passion, disillusionment, and joy. Mm. And it just becomes a cycle. And, you know, a lot of people, they'll get that passionate part in the beginning. You know, you get the butterflies. But passion also comes from that word, like the passion of Christ, like suffering. So your willingness to suffer or sacrifice for this other person. Mm-hmm. You have, like, this emotional connection with them. You're really excited about the relationship. You're willing to, like, do those things. Um, and then suddenly those butterflies are gone or, you know, suddenly just the closeness doesn't get bring about those sparks like it used to and you go into this phase of disillusionment. Mm-hmm. And now this can be in a dating relationship or this could happen like 30 years into a marriage, you know, maybe you're like really focused on, you know, your willingness to sacrifice for the other and then something just changes. And most people when they get to that delusionment, they'll just they'll hit a roadblock and they'll stop and say like, "Well, passion's over. Um, there must be something wrong. We can't fix it." And there's no fighting to, to get back to the joy and for that cycle to restart. And it really models after the Paschal mystery, right? The passion of Christ, the disillusionment of the apostles when they're waiting and wondering when he's in the tomb, and the joy of his resurrection. And can you imagine if they were like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Holy <laughs> Holy Saturday, or like, you know, day after Good Friday, like, well, I guess we were wrong. Like, it was a good run. <laughs> but let's go find a new Messiah, maybe, yeah. or I'm just going to go back to fishing, like... <laughs> I had a good life. Like, that's not, you know, look at what they would have missed. And, you know, and there's so much we learn from relationships by fighting through those moments of disillusionment and fighting for another person. And we've totally lost that, like, that warrior's heart in a relationship. At least I see that in the culture of men. Like, there's no willingness to fight or commit to another person or sacrifice for another person. Because you have, like you said, all these dating apps and, like, quick fixes and pornography being so prevalent. We're like, why would a guy need to sacrifice when... Anything he wants, any fantasy he wants to fulfill is at his fingertips. Yeah. And they don't see the weakness in going to something like that. Like, look how how easy you're allowing yourself to use someone else and be used. Mm-hmm. We've fallen so far. And it's so, it's it's such a language that's so easy to fall into and a, um, a lifestyle that is so easy to fall into because it's right there. <coughs> it's easy. And it's, yeah. um, it's a lot easier to do than to live up to what our faith is calls us to in relationships and in marriage. Um, But in our Catholic faith, we believe that the natural institution of marriage has been blessed and elevated by Christ Jesus to the dignity of a sacrament. In this way, the love of husband and wife becomes a living image of the way in which the Lord personally loves his people and is united in them. Um, And we don't have that in marriages anymore. It's, Mm -hmm. It's not a reflection. It's not a sacrifice like you said. It's just a convenience, a thing that people do after maybe dating for eight years. It's, oh, well, we've been dating long enough. Now it's the next step is typically marriage. So yeah. let's do it. You know, and that's not that's not what marriage is. Yeah. It's not just a, a next step. It's a sacrifice that we have to be willing to enter into. And, and we're not seeing that today yeah. because we've lost this image that... Um, 
our faith tells us to live up to. Yeah. And I think this is not to say either that like, you know, the whole situation of being in the Catholic dating world is all about, am I going to find the one? Am I going to get married? Am I going to do that? Like there is a sense of discernment and there is also this sense of like, I think in the Catholic world, the single life being seen as this like unfavorable stepping stone Uh and not as like a place where you can really dwell and live and thrive. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just really unfortunate because like if you look at the single life as this like terrible curse and like everyone around me is getting married, everyone around me is in a relationship or having babies Mm -hmm. or all these great things are happening and I'm here all alone by myself, then I think you have you know, a necessary opportunity being given to you by God to learn what it is to be patient, to be comfortable in who you are and in your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And you're really being given this beautiful opportunity of time to just rest in him. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe like when people get so frustrated with God in prayer um, and in conversations I have with them, like, God, why aren't you sending me the person? Like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Like send them. And, and maybe he's like, well, the person you need right now is me and I'm sending you all the opportunity (laughs) in the world. I've got rid of every distraction. Um, You know, come to me. Like, I want to have this relationship with you. And one thing that I've learned is that um, in my marriage, my ultimate fulfillment is not and cannot be in my wife Mm -hmm. because that's far too much pressure to put on her Mm -hmm. and she's not perfect. I'm not perfect. And if we put our ultimate fulfillment in the other, we're at some point down the line going to be disappointed and our world's going to fall apart because the second that person falls apart or is crumbling or isn't living up to this perfect ideal, um, then everything falls apart. I was listening to a podcast this week that were, they were talking about the differences between men and women and um, and dating and all about perfection and where you know men are looking for the perfect girl and they date just to make sure that she's perfect and when they realize she's not, they leave. You know, but yeah. where women, what women do is they find a guy and then they try and make him we perfect. Make him perfect. <laughs> I'm like, I can, ch- I can he's change him. Project. He just, he's just, he just has a couple bad things going on. Like, you know, he yep. just needs to move out of his parents' so basement. Accurate. He just needs to stop doing hardcore drugs. He just needs to, you know, all these different things. And it's like, okay, stop making excuses. Like that's the purpose of dating is not to find perfection and to find like your ultimate fulfillment that is in Jesus Christ and in him alone. And so if that's what you're looking for, maybe take a step back, step back and say like, okay, maybe I'm frustrated because I'm seeking this fulfillment in everyone else, but God. And how do I need to just sit and spend time with him and really enjoy the vocation of the single life? Even if for me, it's only temporary. But if it's permanent, like, and I'm not enjoying it now, I'm missing out on all these opportunities to get into that vocation earlier and really thrive in the mission and the purpose God has called me to. And what a beautiful gift that is. But so many people just see it as like, oh, this curse of being single and I'm so alone and I'm so worried about finding the one and like getting up in the late 20s, early 30s and being like, okay, I'm just going to be alone forever. It's like, no, like, you have the Lord. Yeah, you're not alone. Yeah, you're not alone. And like that, I know that's like like a, well, fine, but I just want to be married. Like that's kind of like a, uh, uh, you know, a nice churchy answer. But then I think like if, if that's all we see it as, is like we're really not relying on the fact that, or trusting in the fact that he is the one who can love us better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And that I think is really one of the roots or the deep-seated wounds behind most sins is that I don't trust that God is going to love me in the way that I desire to be loved. Mm. And that, I think, is is what causes a lot of this loneliness or seeking fulfillment in all these other people or relationships. Yeah. I, I know a young woman that um, is, it, she is in the single life and has 
realized that God that God has given her that vocation mm-hmm. for the rest of her life, and she is so joyful, mm-hmm. so joyful. She loves it so much, and she thinks it's the best thing. And she spent so much of her life um, seeking and trying to find her husband, and didn't realize like, oh, he's right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's Christ. Like I, it's him. Um, and she just she loves her life now. She mm-hmm. she realized that that is her vocation. It's such a beautiful thing, and I think. Once we realize and discern truly what our vocation is, God isn't going to let us down. Um, he isn't going to forget us, and He isn't going to, you know, give us life and then be like, "I don't have a plan for you mm-hmm. um, for your relationship side. I have a plan for you and like what job you're going to do and all of these other things, but not for your vocation." Yeah. And so we just like you said, we need to trust in Him. Um, so how do we combat? all of these things with Catholic relationships and dating and how um, we need to not view marriage as just a transaction or a relationship just as a transaction. Now, the first step is asking God, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Um, We need to be prepared. If you truly have discerned and you believe that um, dating is where you need to go and what you need to do, um, you have to ask God to create a clean heart. For yourself because uh, it's so easy to look through the lens of our world and to look at dating in that way but we need to ask God to remove that lens and to see it truly as he wants us to see it um, we need to remember that each individual that we encounter is created they were desired and they are loved by God they're not an object of use or pleasure like our world likes to portray um, and St. Therese of Lisieux, she said, true love begins when nothing is looked for in return. Mm. And so we need to remember that when we are dating, we can't um, look for anything in return, in a sense. We have to remember that true love comes from just sacrificing and giving of ourselves yeah. in a safe and healthy way, Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I think Thomas Aquinas said, to love is to will the good of the other. Mm-hmm. There's nothing for self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the first step. Um, The second step comes from the story of Tobiah and Sarah in the book of Tobit. Um, And so basically the story goes that the angel Raphael, he's sent in disguise to assist um, Tobiah to recover some money. But on the journey, Raphael, he begins to um, speak of this beautiful, sensible woman to Tobiah. And so Tobiah begins to demand that they are wed to her, even though he knows her backstory. And so Sarah's backstory is that she's had seven husbands, and all seven husbands have died um, because of a jealous demon. He's killed them all. Mm -hmm. And so... On their wedding night, right? Yeah, on their wedding night. And so um, basically what happens is Tobiah and Sarah are married. Raphael um, ends up getting the demon and binding him. And um, so Sarah is freed. And Tobiah and Sarah um, are wed happily. And so on their wedding night, they have this beautiful prayer that Tobiah prays. And it says, Blessed are you, Lord, O God of our fathers. Praise be your name forever and ever. Let the heavens and all your creation praise you forever. You made Adam and you gave him his wife Eve to be his help and support. And from these two, the human race descend. You said, It is not good for a man to be alone. Let us make him a partner like himself. Now, Lord, you know that I take this wife of mine not because of lust, but for a noble purpose. Call down your mercy on me and on her and allow us to live together to a happy old age. And so I just, I absolutely love how 
Tobiah is led by an angel um, to Sarah and how he fights for Sarah. Even spiritually, he fights for her mm-hmm. um, because there's this demon that has just been tormenting her and causing her life to just be absolutely horrible, having seven husbands that all die on her wedding night. Yeah. And so um, Tobiah, being the strong man and having the faith, he goes out in faith and he marries this woman um, even though death could be a possibility. Mm-hmm. And then he turns it over to the Lord and he gives him the glory that he deserves, but he also says, like, teach me and guide me so that we can be a happy old couple. Um, and I just, I want to say, like, that's how we should be going into relationships. We need to fight for them yeah. spiritually and um, in this world that just tells us everything opposite of what our Lord tells us. And so <clears throat> we need to be fighting for healthy um relationships spiritually and being prepared do you have anything to add about that because yeah. it's so good you were the one that told me about that right? i think that jason ever his quote like really encapsulates this he says um um run as fast as you can toward jesus and if someone catches up stop and introduce yourself and that's like his guide for dating and i think that's so amazing and i always encourage people when they're dating like at the end of every date at the end of every encounter are you ready to like pick that person up and hand them over to Jesus if that was their last moment. Like, have you protected their heart and their soul so closely and um, in such a way that they would be prepared for death and to enter heaven? You you didn't tempt them in any way. You didn't seek to use them in any way. You didn't seek to cause them to sin in any way. Um, and that's really not what our world does. But it's like that is the, especially what we're called to as men, you know, and, and this world has this very skewed, and growingly skewed concept of, you know, masculinity and femininity and actually just becoming blurred. Um, But the idea of what it means to be, you know, the man of the house, the spiritual head of the household is something that we've also lost. And like being able to recklessly pursue Jesus, not only for yourself, but for your family and get them there by any means possible. And that starts in that, you know, before dating in your own virtuous growth in the Lord, but also during dating when you're you know, entrusting every encounter, every moment to the Lord. Um, you know, it's a spiritual battle, but it's worth it, you know, yeah. 100% of the time. And it's not, I mean, it's so not easy. Um, it's so easy to um, fall into temptation. Mm-hmm. And th- I, that quote is so convicting because I just know in um, Tony and I's dating life, that was the hard, it's so hard, especially when you've been dating for a long time and you mm-hmm. are trying to pursue each other. Um, in a chaste way, in a holy way, it's just difficult. Satan tries so many different ways to oh, get yeah. to you. Um, and so just know that you really have to fight for what you want and yeah. for the good and what is right. Um, but if you ask the Lord to give you the strength, he will, and he will send down the angels and he will protect yes. you and all yeah. of those things. Yeah. And I think it's important to mention too, like, you know, Jenna and I, in both of our relationships, like we made the, the active choice to not have sex until we're married with our spouses. And we were faithful to that decision, uh, both of us with our respective spouses. However, when you hear that as like a single person and maybe you've messed up or you've lived a life of of sin or you've lived a life of, you know, um, impure relationships, you've fallen into that trap, it can seem very much like, oh, I'm never going to attain that. And I remind people like, this is not easy. Like when you meet the person that is going to be the person who you can fulfill your sexual desires with, you're going to want to have sex with them. Like that's just, that's biologically natural and it's a beautiful thing, but it comes back to that, 
idea of what it means to be passionate in your relationship, the willingness to suffer for the other, the willingness to say, I'm willing to wait to give you my entire self behind closed doors until the day that you have the security that I'm giving you my entire self before the eyes of God and the entire world in our marriage. And so that everything across all parts of our relationship is perfect gift of myself and not a second before that because then it would be use then it would be you know for for my own desires and not for the glory of the other person yeah no it's not easy but Mm -mm. it's worth it it's for sure worth it and you can always start over yeah confession is a beautiful thing amen um the last and the last one that i have is as you seek a virtuous spouse it is fitting that you should be the same and that's by saint bernardino um, so basically, we just we need to be seeking the Lord, and we can't be so busied with our future spouses, our idea of what our future spouse um, should look like in this checklist that they should be checking off, or we should be checking off for them, but we need to be actively looking at our own soul and say, okay, how can I better myself for my future spouse? Yeah. How can I be the best version of myself for them? Yes. Um, and we can't we can't be blinded by this idea of like oh well this is what they need to be <laughs> and I hear that all the time well my future spouse they need to be this 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 I'm like well what about you are you any of those things <laughs> are you falling into <laughs> any of those things can you check off your list for yourself mm. um, and we just we need to be actively pursuing those things and making ourselves the best version that God has created us to be. Yeah, definitely. I, I I always would recommend this thing for people to, you know, make that list of like your ideal spouse and on the back of it, like write a letter to them and like never settle for anything less. And then when I met my wife, um, you know, she fulfilled a lot of the things I was looking for and things I didn't even know were qualifications of mine. Um, but she, her dad, I think had told her something similar. He said, I want you to make a list of everything that you want in a future spouse. But then he said, on the other half of the page, I want you to make a list of everything that you absolutely love about yourself. Mm. And then I want you to throw away the first list. <laughs> and I was just like, that was so profound to me because, you know, we never know, you know, what the person we're going to marry before we find them. We, we, we can never predict the blessing that God is going to give us through this other person. And so, you know, it's not bad to have those standards. Of course, you should have those standards. And, but we have to be really careful about allowing them to rule over us really having authentically good relationships and friendships. Um, you know, I wouldn't compromise on things like, you know, they're not a drug addict or, you know, uh, they, they have at least a potential of being faithful. Um, you know, they're a faithful person. You know, those things are like, of course, you want that. But I mean, a lot of them become too particular at times. And so I think really if we're pursuing God ourselves – then when someone comes into a relationship with us and they're not supportive of that or they're not lining up with that, it's going to be so much more evident mm-hmm. than the little ways pe- we kind of let people meet almost all of our qualifications and it becomes very legalistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and and then you reminded me of something too, this like phrase that I hate hearing in the dating world where it's like... Um, well, what if I like get with this guy and then I and then I just miss the person that God is going to yes. call me. I'm like, okay, God is not like some like oaf in heaven like, maybe I'll send him this person and my oaf guy missed it, Don. Like, he's not like this idiot puppeteer just like trying to make things work. Like, he knows you better than you know yourself. He loves you better than you love yourself. He gave you your gifts and talents. He formed your personality in his very hands. He knows what you're going to notice and he knows when you're going to notice it. And he's not going to send you it at a time when you're going to be completely blind to it. So quit being afraid of that and just act. 
You know, if you feel like there's some something you need to pursue, pursue it. If you feel like there's something you need to take a step back from, take a step back from it. But like, you know, in your heart by the peace you have or the lack of peace you have, like where God is leading you and just be faithful to that and stop trying to like rationalize or irrationalize all these, you know, choices that you could or could not be making because you're afraid that you're going to miss something. Uh, because the only thing that you're missing in that is the the way that God is seeking to work through you and be in relationship with you. You're obsessing so much about the particular that you're missing the big picture. And that's just being in relationship with God and pursuing virtue. Um, and so our saint for this episode is someone that really pursued virtue and really turned away from a drastic um, way of living. And this is Saint Mary of Egypt. And she's been kind of like popping up in little places here and there. I just heard her the other day in a... Um, one of Matt Frad's podcasts and I was like, no, we were going to talk about her. And I was like really mad for like half a second. But I was like, this is awesome because it's obviously apparent that like she's reaching out to a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Um, she's a really awesome story. So look her up. I'm going to try and tell you like the bulk of her story right now. But her feast day is April 1st. Um, she's the patron saint of penitence, of chastity, and especially against warfare against the flesh or deliverance from carnal passions. She's um, also deliverance from demons um, and uh, temptations of the flesh. And so she's like a boss. So she was born in 344 AD in the province of Egypt. Um, she ran away from home when she was 12 years old to Alexandria, and she became an actress, a singer, but mostly she became a courtesan. And that was someone that was basically like a, pro- a prostitute. Um, she lived a very unchaste life, and she would also like refuse money for her prostitution because she, let's just like be real, she was just like liked sex like that, and she was totally okay with saying that. Like she was like actively pursuing people to. Um, fulfill her what she would call her insatiable lust so she did this for um for 17 years so until she was 29 um and so she went to jerusalem during the feast of the exaltation of the cross and she called it like an anti-pilgrimage she went like on this pilgrimage to find more sexual partners she was trying to lure people on this pilgrimage into this like lascivious behavior and so she goes she tries to enter the church of the holy sepulcher uh, when she gets to jerusalem And some, like, unseen force prevents her from going in. And she tries, like, a couple more times, and she can't enter the church. And so she's sitting in this grotto, and um, she sees this um, image of Mary as Theotokos, like, God-bearer, which was um, a doctrine of Mary that had, like, was just being established in the church. And she was convicted in that moment that... um, She was prevented from entering this church because of her sinfulness. And so she heard a voice from God saying that to her. And she said, like, she promised, I will leave this life if you allow me to enter this church and to repent. And there was a piece of the true cross in there, the true cross of Jesus Christ. And she wanted to to repent before it. Um, And so she, she said, if like, if I'm willing to repent now, like, please let me go in and, and see this. And so she was able to go into the church at that point, And she saw that as a sign that she needed to leave her life of um, being unchaste. And so she went to, uh, she received communion and uh, the sacrament of reconciliation at a monastery of St. John the Baptist, which was on the Jordan River. And then she took three loaves of bread with her. And after that, whatever she could find. And she crossed the River Jordan and she lived as a hermit in the wilderness for 47 years. <laughs> So she, and she experienced for those first 17 years, um, kind of the, the struggle with what she had battled with the previous 17 years. She was like, 
she understands struggle. And so if you're someone who really is struggling with past sin or just past frustration with like dating and the idea of chastity, like this girl is your homie. So like this, she said, I spent 17 years in the wilderness after I had spent 17 years in immorality, fighting wild beasts, mad desires and passions. When I began to eat bread, I thought of the meat and flesh and fish, which I had in abundance in Egypt. I also missed the wine that I loved so much when I was in the world. While here, I did not even have water. I suffered from thirst and hunger. I also had a mad desire for lewd songs. I seemed to hear them disturbing my heart and my hearing, weeping and striking myself on the breast. I remembered the vow I had made. At last, I beheld a radiant light shining on me from everywhere. After a violent tempest, a lasting calm ensued. And so those first 17 years were brutal, but for the next 30 years, she lived like as a peaceful hermit in the wilderness. And so once, you know, many years into that, a saint called St. Zosimus of Palestine, he came upon her in the wilderness and she was completely naked. And he, he she saw him and she like started running away. And like he ran after her and like gave her his cloak or his mantle to cover herself. And she started telling him her story. Um, and so she asked that he would return and give her communion on Holy Thursday um, by the monastery. And so um, when he did that, that next Holy Thursday, um, she uh, he held up the Eucharist like on the side of the Jordan River. And it was like, I don't know where this lady is. And then she just appeared walking out of the wilderness, walked on water on the Jordan River, oh and then came to him and received communion. And then she, she said, I want you to come... Um, the, this coming next Lent, so a year from now, basically, um, and bring communion to me again. Um, and I want you to go to where we first encountered each other, which was like 20 miles away from the monastery. And so that next Lent, he goes and he finds her in that place dead, laying on the ground. And on the ground in the sand, she had written that she had died the very day she received communion from him on Holy Thursday and had been transported there by the Holy Spirit 20 miles away to be found dead there in the sand, you know, 20 a year later. And so her body was preserved. She was incorrupt and she left instructions for him, for him to bury her. And so he's looking at this woman and he's like, I need help to bury this saint. And who does God send? But a freaking lion to help dig a hole to bury this saint. Like, <laughs> this is like Aslan just comes out of nowhere. And it's just like, welcome to Narnia brother. And like buries this freaking saint. And I love icons of her. She like, she is like the creator of the mullet. Like I, my <laughs> wife found this amazing holy card of her where she's got this like gray mullet and she's got this like tan wrinkled face and she's just like this beautiful like warrior hermit out in the middle of the desert. Um, but anyway, she was buried. The date's disputed maybe sometime around 421 AD. Um, and now the chapel in the Church of the Holy Sep Sepulchre where she had that repentant conversion is now named for her. Um, and so I just love the saint because she, re she relied completely on God in everything. And that's such a beautiful gift. And I think in moments of temptation and difficulty, especially in the dating world, when it's like, I'm never going to find someone, there's no hope. Like, uh, I have all these lists of qualifications. No one's meeting them. I have to resort to these dating apps and things to just take a step back and ask ourselves, like, am I relying on the Lord? Am I in relationship with him? Am I relying on him completely? And so we pray that um, this episode helps call you to do that and helps you this coming week 
uh, in the weeks that come in your dating life, in your own vocation, in uh, sh- hopefully sharing this episode with people that you know that are maybe frustrated in dating. Um, so we pray that you will um, rate and review this podcast. As I said, share it with those who you think may be benefited by it. Um, and please like, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, on social media. Um, and if you want to become a financial supporter for us, because um, this podcast does cost money to run and our website and all those things, uh, please go to Patreon, which is you can find through our website, manafoodforthought.com. So until next time, uh, St. Charles Borromeo and St. Mary of Egypt, pray for us, and we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye. Bye.